Kevin Shea is a hockey historian at the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto and an author of many books, including the Toronto Maple Leafs Hockey Club official centennial publication. And he's from right here in Windsor. Join me, Drake Demore, as I chat with Kevin on Zoom about Windsor Sports, Windsor Radio, and his career in the world of music, radio, and hockey. Hello, how are you doing? It's Zach Cassie. Adam Enrique. Joe Siddle. Tom Crawford. Todd Warner. Brett Romberg. TJ Laramie. And Holy Mackinac, you're listening to Wind City Sports. What up, everybody? My name is Drake Moore, and thank you for streaming or downloading this episode of the Wind City Sports Podcast, Windsor's only local sports radio show and podcast. The radio show airs live on CGM 99.1 FM every Thursday at 12.30 in Windsor and Detroit featuring highlights from our podcast interviews, as much local sports news as possible, and some good music. Here on the Win City Sports Podcast, now dropping every other Thursday morning for the remainder of the summer, you'll hear the full, uncut, and unedited version of interviews with local athletes, coaches, entrepreneurs, and much more. We have a big social media presence as well, at WinCity underscore sports, so give us a like, follow, subscribe, whatever you may like to use. Find us on every podcast platform, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and directly on WinCitySports.com. But we'll talk about all that at the end of the show, as we normally do. But today is August 6, 2020, and it's episode 204 of Win City Sports. And in case you missed it, we are, as just mentioned, actually doing uh, the, the podcast bi-weekly for the rest of the summer, just trying to free up a little bit of time for myself. But we're still doing weekly episodes of the Win City Sports radio show, broadcasting every Thursday, as mentioned. This will be our on week where we drop a new podcast and we'll hear highlights from this interview on the C-Jam show. In weeks where we don't drop podcasts, we will just hear as much local sports news as possible and a little extra music. And maybe some clips from past episodes and upcoming episodes as last week we played a clip from today's episode of the Win City Sports podcast, today's interview with Kevin Shea, a hockey historian, author, instructor, and so much more. Um, At the beginning of the show, I just uh, briefly mentioned that he was a hockey historian at the Hockey Hall of Fame and an author, but he's much more than that. He's done so much in his uh, career in different avenues, different different hats, different uh, shoes, whatever you might want to say. And um, it was an honor to have him on. It's a really cool cool interview that we have coming up. And it's a long one, so we're not going to... We're not going to do a ton of news throughout the show, but we do have a little bit of news on the OHL that we got to get out of the way later on. But big shout out to Rob DeRose, former, well, a buddy of mine and a former classmate of mine back at St. Joe's High School here in Windsor. He set up this interview due to his connections down at the Hockey Hall of Fame and through the Leafs organization. Today we have Kevin Shea on the show. I don't even know how to introduce this guy sometime because you might know him from many walks of life. You know, you might know him from hockey, you might know him from the radio, you might know him from music. As we get into in the interview, he's worn a lot of different hats, crossed paths with a lot of cool people, and has done a lot of cool things. Speaking of crossing paths with cool people and doing cool things, as you'll hear in the interview, Brandon Shanahan, if you ever heard of him, he personally appointed Kevin to write the uh, history book of the Toronto Maple Leafs, the official centennial publication back in 2017. Crazy story about him prepping for that and getting the call from Shani himself. I'm sure you all know exactly who that is. Um, But uh, lots of cool stories coming up here in this interview. We talk about, obviously, uh, starting here in Windsor, getting his radio experience, how he went out to Toronto, just talk Windsor sports in general as well. And uh, a great conversation last week as um, the Toronto Maple Leafs were actually playing an exhibition game. I was sitting in my living room where I'm sitting now, actually, um, and uh, doing this this chat with Kevin so it's pretty cool um, and we're gonna get right into that in just a minute and like I said later on we're just gonna keep it to the hockey news for today um, Windsor Spitfires and OHL news OHL ret- announced their potential return to play as long as everything goes according to plan big fingers crossed so we're gonna talk about that and a little bit of Spitfires news that we might have missed in the last two weeks but might have heard on the Wind City Sports radio show on CJM last week just keeping you guys up to speed and uh, getting you up to date but without further ado let's do what we do here on the show every other week for now usually every week over 200 episodes in just over four years we're going to get into an interview with a local entrepreneur author hockey historian from the hockey hall of fame 
Here's Kevin Shea. Here we go. Awesome. So right now on Zoom, I think my first interview on Zoom, hockey historian, author of many books, including the official centennial publication of the history of the Toronto Maple Leafs. But from right here in Windsor, Kevin Shea. Welcome to Wind City Sports, man. Hey, thanks a million, Drake. Really, really nice to be here with you and, and to return to Windsor, even though we're <laughs> just doing Italy right now. Yeah, this is, the, again, the best way we can possibly can right now. But again, so growing up in Windsor, I know I'm guessing you've been in Toronto for, for quite a while now with your career and whatnot. But let's go back to, you know, were you born here? Where did you kind of grow up? Just tell me about, uh, you know, life in Windsor and what you remember about growing up in the city. Yeah, sure. No, Windsor is very, very special to me. Um, I grew up in the Riverside area of Windsor, and uh, that's that's an area where mom and dad were. We lived there through our entire lives, and and uh, and then you know I moved away to chase the brass ring and a couple of other industries, and and uh, lost my dad in the meantime. So mom moved to South Windsor. So I've got a pretty good handle on uh, downtown just from being a, uh, a a young guy and Riverside growing up, South Windsor to visit mom and like that. So yeah. Very, very special place for me. That's cool. And, like, you know, I always like to get the feel for the person. You know, being from Windsor is one thing, but where are you from? You know, Bell River, where are you from? Leamington, LaSalle, where are you from? East Windsor, West Windsor. So I always like to kind of, you know, tell those kind of stories and get that feel for the person, especially for people who have left here and what they remember yeah. about, you know, just little things in Windsor. Like you said, just Riverside and, you know, maybe going to school there and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, so I went to, uh, I went to public school there and then I went to uh, Riverside secondary school for three years. I finished grade 11 there. Then I went to Kennedy for my last two years, okay. graduated from Kennedy, uh, grad got my degree, my bachelor's degree from the university of Windsor. In the meantime, I was, when I started university, I was working at CKWW Radio, which is basically AM 800 now. Yeah. And I worked there all through university. They paid for my university education. I later worked for CKLW Radio as well. So uh, so really firmly entrenched in, in Windsor Media and uh, all things Windsor. Uh, I left because I wanted to start a radio career, which was my favorite career at the time. I, I got my degree in communication studies. And so it took me to North Bay, back to Windsor, off to Montreal, to Ottawa, and then I ended up in Toronto in 1983 and worked in the music industry and did that for a number of years. So, so for a guy who, I, I think I'd like to say I'm blessed, Drake, because I have three real, besides family, three real passions in life, radio, music, and hockey. And I've had wonderful careers in all three. Very, very lucky that way. Oh, that's awesome. That, that's the, the perfect thing for this. You know, like, obviously, if, we, if you were like, you know, I'm just a hockey guy, we can talk forever. But it's cool to hear the different sides of a person, you know, music and, and radio, like you mentioned, and, and myself also having the show on C-Jam, you know, where apparently you did some some volunteerism <laughs> and, and experience there as well. So uh, just cool things to hear. So, you know, uh, was that kind of your first introduction to anything radio? Was it C-Jam, CKLWW or... So it was CKWW and, and it started off, it's the craziest story, Drake, but you know, like all of us, we're trying to find a summer job when we're, you know, 17, yeah. 16, 17, 18 years old. And I had worked at different places, Woolco out in the uh, out in Riverside and long gone now. And, and uh, I worked at a gas station at the corner of Tecumseh and, and Lozon, long gone as well. And I had always wanted to work in radio. And so I, I applied, I, I knew a couple people inside, maybe that helped, I'm not sure. But I applied at CKWW Radio, and I got hired for a summer job. It wasn't the glamour uh, that I was dreaming of. I didn't care. I just wanted to get my foot in the door. So Windsor's the city of roses. CKWW was giving away a, a, a rose and a vase every hour through every day through the course of the summer. It was my job at every day to deliver the 24 roses that had been given out the day before. So I was driving all over the county to hand these wonderful ladies, for the most part, the vases with a rose on them and I guess while I was doing that they thought I was kind of funny in the hallways and I got other jobs I worked in production I was the music librarian I had a comedy show on Sunday evenings uh, just that was my foot in the door but so I was working at CKWW while I was going to the University of Windsor but the program director of CJAM knew that I had worked in radio before and, and we used to lunch together all the time and so if he was stuck for a, an announcer because somebody didn't show up for their shift or whatever, Kevin, come on over. So I did all these fill-in shifts as a guy who had a little bit of experience in the radio business. And whether I was playing jazz or whether I was playing rock or whatever at the time, 
was very happy to fill in because again, radio was one of my great passions. So CJM was a, kind of at the beginning. It wasn't quite yeah. at the very beginning, but it was a, an important part of my development as well. Yeah. Well, like a lot of people, including myself and Joe Bowen out there in Toronto, that was kind of the start for, for a lot of people. It was CJM, right? So that's what yeah. you kind of, I would kind of assume, but that's why we do the conversation, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it, it certainly fueled my, my love of radio and my love of music as well. And, and, and the funny thing was, you know, so I, I did the radio uh, route through, like I said, North Bay, Windsor, et cetera, et cetera. Got into the music industry at that point. And, and because the radio station I was at was going into a different format, away from being a, a contemporary radio station to music of your life, which is Tony Bennett and Frank Sinatra and Doris Day. And it just wasn't for me. All good music, but just didn't speak to me. So I got an offer to work at RCA Records and join the uh, the music industry at that point. And I was surprised how many people from Windsor worked in the industry. Yeah. So Rosalie Tremblay, who's a legend over at CKLW, her her son and daughter both worked in the music industry at that point. A guy named Bobby Gale, who went to a place called Patterson for high school, long gone as well. Uh, he worked for Polygram Records. Dave Tollington was my boss. He had worked at CJOM back in the day. I think he went to Walkerville. I can't remember. But anyway, cut long story short, surprising number of people from Windsor. And I like to attribute to the fact that we grew up in the shadow of Detroit, all that great media, all that great music, all those great restaurants and bars, um, and really gave us a, a, real, a real desire to be involved more heavily in the music industry. Oh, 100%. And, yeah. 100%. And, you know, when I think of CKLW, I think of the history of of not yeah. only that that radio station, I'm sure you know the whole the whole thing with Kiss and the song Beth and all that stuff, right? Oh, sure, or sure. So, so like, there's a deep history of music and and especially radio in Windsor too, which is something I'm proud to be able to to continue doing in this in 2020. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, the industry seems to be condensing a little bit. You know, so a lot of the guys who I worked with through the years are have long moved on, as have I, into other areas as well. But there's something really important about communication and, and whether it be TV or radio or electronic uh, communication of whatever sort, uh, social media, uh, it's just great that it carries on. So kudos to you, Drake and, and CJAM for what you're doing as well. Really important to be able to, to, to talk to people and be real rather than just having a, a long stretch of music with no announcers or, or talk radio that's canned out of the U.S. and, and being, uh, being uh, brought into Canada or whatever it happens to be. So always good discussions that way. Oh, absolutely. And that, that's what CJAM's all about. And to kind of go back to what you were saying before, like you, when you were just getting started, you know, you were showing that you could try to do anything. You know, you got to put yourself out there and, and just be versatile and be, be available for a show or whatever, you know. Uh, just those little things make a big difference, something I always say. And, you know. Oh, without question. And, and that's the other thing, too, is that, you know, we, we may aspire to be on the radio or a TV producer or whatever it happens to be. But, you know, the people who step out of school and get those jobs are very, very, very few. Yeah. You put your, get your foot in the door. You do what you need to do. You deliver roses. You, <laughs> you know, you sweep the floors. You work all night. You do whatever it is to, to get your foot in the door. Nurture your talent. Nurture your, your passion. And, and those things come if you've got the, if you're in the right place at the right time, the right, to, you know, the right talent to do these sorts of things, they happen. Sometimes you have to leave and go to other markets, but they happen. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like I said, just getting experience every little bit makes a big, big uh, difference, especially in this industry, which is why I started. I didn't know what I was going to do, what I'm going to do in the future, but it was, you know, if I don't do it, I'll never do it. You know what I mean? You have to get yourself out there. How long have you been doing it, Drake? Well, going on, this is four years now. Of, oh, wow. Yeah, uh, radio, podcast. So I'm hoping you do a good five years and see where we go from there. I've been trying to bring it, but at the end of the day, it's fun, you know? Oh, absolutely. That's what it's all about is, you know, you, dissemination of, of information for sure, but keeping it fun as well. And that's all part of relating with the audience too. So. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and it goes back to the roots, you know, like I kept it Windsor, kept it local because I've always been a fan of, of local sports and given my background and stuff. And Sure you have too. I'm sure, um, you know, in regards to both music and hockey, it's been something that's probably been a big passion for yourself since you can remember. Well, exactly. So, I mean, I was born into a Toronto Maple Leafs family, not literally, but, yeah. but my, 
my dad was a huge fan. My grandma was a huge fan. You know, dad had listened to the radio when he was a kid and, and uh, made the transition over to TV in 52 when, when hockey came on, uh, on Hockey Night in Canada on television as well. So from the time I was little, the Toronto Maple Leafs were our, our team. It's tough in Windsor because you've got Detroit across the river. Uh, there's a lot of Montreal Canadiens fans too. And as years go on, there have been other, other uh, teams that people follow with a, a great passion too. But Toronto, uh, sorry, Windsor is really interesting that it's, I wouldn't say it's evenly divided, but there's that Detroit no. faction. Yeah, there's the Toronto faction and never the twain shall meet. My stepbrother, a diehard uh, Detroit Red Wings fan. Uh, I appreciate the Red Wings. You know, they're having a tough time right now, but boy, oh boy, you know, they certainly have got a great, uh, great heritage of, of winning. Toronto been exciting the last little while, but they've got a long heritage of not winning. <laughs> and so there's that uh, competitive thing, but we, uh, we keep it fun. And, and that's how I grew up. If I can just step back for a second, you know, dad was such a fan that uh, we would watch, you know, the, we watch his, every Saturday night, we'd watch every game we could. And we were just little boys. And, and uh, so we would, we knew that it was a treat every Saturday. We'd get a, a salad bowl with potato chips and a little tiny glass of ginger ale. And we had to make it last for all three periods, but we would cheer on our Leafs. And when they won the Stanley cup in 62, 63, 60, sorry, 60, I got it wrong. 62, 63, 64, sorry. And then 67, dad would take us to the, the uh, train station because they had the Toronto star, the Toronto sun, the Toronto globe and mail, and we could get those papers and there'd be more information. There'd be pictures we could cut out and put in our little, little uh, uh, scrapbooks and things of that sort. So die hard leaves all along, but it just appreciate good hockey. Candidly. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. That's what, the one thing I always talk about, especially with people who have left Windsor, we talk about our favorite teams and stuff. Like I said, just like yourself, it's Windsor, Detroit, maybe a little bit of Montreal in there. Any other team? I'm like, why are you a fan of whoever, Vancouver? Like, why isn't it Detroit or Toronto? You know, that's the, that's the Windsor norm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, that's the vast majority for sure. But yeah. with the – so we would watch – so Hockey Night in Canada every Saturday night while I was growing up in the 1960s, it was the Leafs against whoever they were playing. When the Red Wings were broadcasting, finally, they were on UHF, which was this, you know, other channel that you, not many people got. But if they were playing at home on a Saturday night, they would black out the Leaf games, which would infuriate us that much more, hate the Red Wings that much more. Yeah. So, so the Red Wings weren't all that great, and you couldn't even get the broadcasts at the time. But, um, but as time went on, that all changed as well. But it's, it's just all part of growing up and finding your team now that you can get yeah. any team you want you, you know find people who will follow players as much as teams so they love the penguins because of crosby the capitals because of ovechkin yeah. oilers because of mcdavid etc etc so it, there's a lot more of that but when we were growing up there were six teams before they expanded and you you picked your team and for the most part it was Toronto, Detroit, Montreal in the Windsor area. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, and again, growing up around here, we have a huge hockey history in Windsor. It's oh, yeah. Alone. Uh, what do you think of when you think of like Windsor sports? Did you go to Spitfire games? Were you playing oh, yeah. or anything like that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. so, so first off I played, I played from the time I was six years old, Riverside Minor Hockey Association. And it was really a strong association. I don't know what it's like now. I would have to think it's probably still strong too, but surprising the number of, of guys who came out during that kind of my era, maybe a little bit before and, and certainly afterwards, but guys who went on to the National Hockey League or the World Hockey Association or played junior or played uh, at college level or whatever. So these are all guys that we grew up in the same neighborhood. Joel Quenville was starting his career same time I was on our little, I think they were called mites at the time. And, uh, and uh, Bob Parent, who, played a couple games with the Leafs years ago. Um, he was a forward on our team when I was a, a squirt, which was novice, I think. Yeah. At that, it yeah. became novice at the time. Some of these guys who went on, you know, and we, and we knew of them all, Ron Freest and all these guys who went on to play at a, at a certain level. So we were playing, we knew hockey, and we all loved hockey. We spent all our time at the, uh, the old Riverside Arena. Uh, God rest its soul. Yeah. I was going to hope you know that it's gone. I didn't want to. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's funny because you get identified somehow. So maybe I talk more than I should like tonight. Sorry. <laughs> but I, all of my friends and colleagues know that I'm a huge hockey fan and, and how much Riverside Arena meant to me. 
So when they were tearing it down, I had three or four friends sneak in past the barricades and stuff, salvage a brick for me, wrap it up and, and courier it off to me at a huge expense so that I would have a brick from Riverside Arena. So I've got three or four of them downstairs. Oh, that's cool. That's you mentioned Spitfires, and uh, mostly when I was working at CKWW, because before that, they were a Southern Ontario Junior Hockey League team, although I followed them like crazy because there were guys like Ron Mosco and Nick Natashak, and guys who were a little bit older than me, but they were guys who grew up in our neighborhood, and they were playing on that team. And so when they became a major Junior A team, it was unbelievable. So I was down at Windsor Arena on a regular basis to see them. When CKWW was carrying the broadcast, I would see if I could, not sneak, but I would, uh, hey, listen, if you need someone to help you yeah. run, run uh, information back and forth or pick up game sheets or whatever. And Dave Quinn, who was the broadcaster at the time, yeah, Kev, come on up here and, and help us out. And I'd just sit in the back and watch them do their stuff. And it was a, a great time, especially when they were playing the London Knights. <laughs> you know, there was a... A lot of competition, that's for yeah. sure, Drake. At the barn, too. You know, those are the oh, yeah. great memories that I like to, to reminisce about and learn more about. You know, obviously, I wasn't around for everything. But thankful enough to be able to, to experience the barn and, and really remember it. And that is Windsor hockey, you know. Can I bring up one more story? Absolutely. So just this past week, in fact, last Saturday, we lost Eddie Shack, who was a, a Toronto Maple Leaf hockey player. The last time I played at Windsor Arena, which goes back a long way, I was playing for a media team. Uh, they just grabbed whoever could play hockey who was working for any of the radio stations or CKLW, CBET TV or whatever. And so we played and, and Pitt Martin, who was playing with the Chicago Blackhawks at the time, and Eddie Shack, And there were a couple other players too, but, but we got to play with these guys. Eddie Shack was my childhood hero. I'd met him a couple of times, but to be on the same ice as Eddie Shack was pretty special to be in the dressing room and hearing him tell crazy stories and laughing uproariously. So it's a great memory that I combined Windsor Arena with Eddie Shack was the last time I played was with Eddie Shack. <laughs> I was one of those guys who barely touched the puck because Eddie and Pitt Martin were dangling all over the place, but it was a, a wonderful memory nevertheless. Oh, that's awesome. I was going to bring that up at the end because, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about all the people you've been able to cross paths with and yeah. being so recently I've seen your tribute to him, but Again, to kind of, not too selfishly, but to bring it to the Windsor kind of connection there with that story is, that's awesome, man. That's really cool to hear. Yeah, for sure. No, it's, uh, Windsor's a special place. I still think, you know, I, 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 yeah, I have no idea. I'm not, I don't do the statistics that way. But, you know, population-wise, Windsor has to have as successful a breeding ground for hockey as anybody out there. You know, I hear about Peterborough. I hear about Regina. Uh, Toronto to a lesser degree, but, you know, I haven't done the stats, but I just have to think of the number of guys who've played at a competitive level and women too, but uh, mostly the guys that, that are a little bit more well-known. And so, you know, it's a really special place for sports, really a tribute to you and C-Jam to have a dedicated uh, uh, radio uh, program about hockey in Windsor, about sports in Windsor, rather, pardon me. Of course, we specialize in, in hockey, given the like, just like you mentioned, this show can go on for so long. There's so many people I haven't even hit yet that are, you know, legends in the game. Yeah, for sure. Very good. Absolutely, man. So, you know, we talk about, you know, the love for the Leafs and, and music and all that stuff that kind of combined your, your passions and brought you to where you are. When you first went to, you know, communication school or whatever, did you, was that the goal or did you have a passion for writing that was strictly it or did you want to kind of blend them? a mixed bag of things. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And so I took communication studies because somebody told me that, uh, that I was a pretty good communicator and my voice was decent and whatever. So I thought I would start that way. I had wanted to be a hockey player. I just wasn't good enough. Right. Uh, wasn't big enough. That's my big excuse, but really I wasn't good enough, not even close. So I just thought, okay, if I can't play, wouldn't it be great to be a broadcaster? play-by-play -play or a sports reporter or whatever it happened to be. But as I got into the program, I realized that there was a whole lot more to it than that, a whole lot more of a, of a vista, rather, that gave you opportunities to do all kinds of things. And my love of music also reared its head at that point, too. And I realized there were all kinds of opportunities. So I didn't even know what I wanted to do. But the fact that I got the summer job at CKWW Radio, um, really kind of led me into the music side of things. Never lost my passion for hockey, 
but it led me more into the music side of things and to the radio side of things, which was absolutely fine by me. So, so that was where it went. But while I was at Windsor, at uh, University of Windsor, I took a lot of writing courses too. My degree is in, is in English and communications. And so it really, I don't know if it, it certainly it honed my talents to whatever degree, but it really honed my, my passion. And, uh, and, and I realized very quickly, uh, if I can tell a story, I was in whatever year it was, probably first year university. And the first assignment was, there was a picture of a willow tree and we were all to write a, a story about it. And mine was really average. There was nothing to get excited about for me. There was a stream, there was a willow tree. I wrote it, I got a B or whatever I got. Next one that they said you could write about anything you want about want to write about you, you know, something you're passionate about. So I wrote about CKLW radio. And when the paper came back, I got a D minus. I said, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, what, what's going on? So I asked the professor after the, uh, the course, he said, well, I'll have to bring the teaching assistant in. And so she came over to me and she said, well, the person who wrote the willow tree story is not the same person who wrote the CKLW story. So you've plagiarized or you've had somebody else write it for you. So, no, no, no. I, I swear. I've so I had to do another assignment. I can't remember what it was about, but just to prove that I was the guy who wrote it. Um, and I just explained to them afterwards. They, they couldn't believe it. They changed my mark to an A or an A plus or whatever it was. But they, I said, look, I can't write about something I'm not passionate about. I've got to write about something that, that I feel for, that, I, that I've got some, uh, some feelings for. And I think, I think they knew that, but they didn't realize with me that that's exactly what it was. So it turned my D minus into a, an A and we moved on from there. But it, but it taught me very quickly that if I don't care about something, whether it be school or whatever, you know, I'm going to struggle. If I can write about hockey or music or radio or family or whatever it happens to be, I'm going to be just fine. And so Mm -hmm. things that I learned, that's probably the biggest lesson I learned in all of universities yeah that's cool that's very cool to hear because you know I didn't have a, a exact experience but I never knew that there were such jobs in the field you know like getting into uh the college years like what are you going to do I'm like I don't know and someone introduced me to this this opportunity to work at an arena and stuff like that I was like I didn't even know that was possible so you know to to do that kind of work in the environment that you want to similar to yourself you know it's like okay I, I can do this as a 16 year old going to work wasn't too inviting you know but going to work at the arena was so absolutely funny how that works yeah exactly, right? so that's again why I like to have these kind of conversations with a person like yourself I'm sure you have a resume you can't fit on five pages yet alone one so um, but I like to get into it a little bit you know I'm sure you've worn a lot of different hats and a lot of different jobs and stuff like that like given your your uh, your field you know you're kind of freelance in a way you, you're on your own once you graduate and you have the experience in in hockey in a sense of business side of it yep. um in radio and in music where they're all they're all separate and at the same time might be able to mesh but you've been able to do so much in one life it's 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 cool well i mean if there's a lesson for you and i drake and, and your your listeners and viewers it's to follow your passion just like we talked about with the writing, it's the same thing in life is if you hate your job, you're not going to enjoy yourself. You're going to begrudge the, the choice you made for the rest of your life. And I was lucky. I was very lucky because you don't always get that opportunity. But, but to be able to work in fields that I'm passionate about was a real wonderful thing for me. So not just once, but in my case, I, I mentioned three, but I also... Uh, I mentioned early on that I lost my dad and I lost my dad to cancer. And so there was a, there was a time where the, the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame was laying people off. Things were a little bit tougher from the tourist industry that way. And I was one of the guys who was laid off. And so I thought, you know, what would I really like to do? You know, there's got to be something more out there. You know, I've done fairly well, quite well in, in radio, very well in the music industry, you know, quite well in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, but you know, maybe there's something bigger out there. And so I sent a blind resume. Don't do that, folks. You know, do, you know, do your homework. But I sent a resume off to the Princess Margaret Cancer Foundation. And they do cancer research, one of the top in the world. And I got hired as the public relations person. I'd been doing publicity for, uh, for record companies for some time. But I got a job in cancer research, fundraising for cancer research. And 
So again, it's, it's not something that I knew much about. I, in fact, I didn't know anything about it, but the learning curve was almost vertical. But I was able to introduce a couple of things. First of all, just using the, the experience that I had in public relations. But secondly, when they were talking about new revenue streams, we talked about uh, you know bike riding and women's walks and coloring your hair. And I said, you know, all those things are great, but they don't speak to a guy like me. I do them because I work for the company and, and I want to support, but you know, I don't own a bike. Um, the, the, the idea of walking 60 kilometers is not something that, that I embrace readily. Um, I'll color my hair, but, but again, not something I would do on a regular basis anyway. They said, well, what would be something that you would do? And I said, well, I mean, I'm a hockey guy. There's gotta be some kind of a hockey event and they all kind of looked, this is senior management, they all kind of looked at each other and said, well, there's got to be a reason why there aren't hockey events. There were some, but not that many. And uh, they said, well, come up with a, an idea and bring it back to the table. So I did exactly that and brought it to the table. And although it wasn't as quickly as, as I'm saying here, but it evolved into something called Road Hockey to Conquer Cancer. And to this point now, we're, uh, we're well, the pandemic has taken care of it. It would have been our 10th year this year but we've raised $23 million for cancer research, all because of a harebrained idea about, about playing road hockey, something that we all did. I did it on, on Bellperch in Riverside, and we would play off against Virginia and Edward and these places in, in Riverside. We all had our own teams, and, and uh, the Riverside, or sorry, the uh, Bellperch team was pretty damn good. Um, <laughs> but to take a game that we all did, all you need is a stick and a pair of running shoes, and, and off you go. You didn't have to be good at skating. You didn't have to have equipment. You didn't have to rent ice and it's raised a ton of money for us. So again, taking my passion, putting into a job that I wasn't, wasn't necessarily a perfect fit for me, although I did it for eight years. It was terrific. Um, and, uh, and, and you do what you got to do for sure. I loved, loved being a small part of something very large and very important, but road hockey to conquer cancer continues on. And I was able to use my, my, uh, network to get celebrities to play so that you know if you if you're one of the top 50 uh, fundraising teams you could draft a celebrity onto the team and whether it was Doug Gilmore or who knows uh, George Larocq or in, in our case uh, Ted Bully who came from Windsor I want to make sure he got involved because I hadn't seen him since high school this was a chance to see him or you know just different guys like that and it was really fun Paul Coffey these sorts of guys so it was a chance for me to marry all of my experiences together and it's worked out quite well. And then I went off to, uh, to uh, back to hockey again and work for the hockey hall of fame once again, where I am now. So now the, the nine to five is, is hockey hall of fame or. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a contract guy. I do a lot of the work at, at home, but for the last little while, the last three weeks anyway, it's been full-time contract stuff working on different things, but I, I oversee all of the editorial com, uh, content um, I teach a hockey history course for the Hockey Hall of Fame at Seneca College, which is actually open to all uh, community colleges in Ontario. Uh, what else do I do? Just, a, just yeah, all kinds of writing. If I just tell you, tell me, tell me about yourself, you're going to, I don't know, you know, you're going to forget something, right? So <laughs> I tried to d depict everything I could, but it's, it will never happen. No, it's impossible. It's all good and all fun, and yeah. if you can do if you can do a lot of things, you're more valuable rather than being a one trick pony. Exactly, so and in different yeah. in different uh, methods as well. You know, not only right. getting paid to do it, you know, you're sitting on committees and, and yeah. volunteering. I'm sure running events. You know, those oh, are all absolutely all really important things. Yeah, you know? absolutely, exactly. And you know, of course, you know, we know you as an author as well. You've written many, many books. And um, guessing with all your experience, that's what led to Brandon Shanahan. I don't know if anyone's heard of him, but, you know, um, personally appointing you to write the 100-year history of the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, club book. Some, yeah, Drake, you know, sometimes you're, you're blessed for whatever reason. So when I was working in the music industry, um, I, you know, crazy story. I, I might as well tell it. So I've got uh, two buddies of mine through the music industry who, who – uh, my best friends we hang out we we used to go for dinner once a week it's now you know four times a year because we're we're in relationships we've got kids with all those sorts of things anyway one year at christmas time we all got together we all exchanged gifts and they had this great big box of of stuff and they said look we've gone together to for your uh, christmas gift this year kevin so merry christmas to you 
and I opened it up and wow, I mean, I couldn't figure it out. It was pads of paper and pens and floppy disks, which kind of gives you a, a taste of the era and, and a book called uh, Writing for Dummies. And they said, look, every time we get together, you tell us 10 hockey stories that are unbelievable. You're going to write a book. I said, Guys, I can't write a book, you know. I had written columns. I had written for uh, Windsor This Month magazine, Long Gone, and I'd written for the Essex Times, Long Gone, and things. And then in, in other cities that I was in, I had written too, and then all kinds of, of uh, media releases and things. But uh, I'd never written a book and never even thought about it before. I dreamt about writing for the Hockey News, maybe for People magazine, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, they motivated me, and I went to the library and Actually, I went to a bookstore and looked down the spine of all those sports books to find out who the publishers were, put together a proposal, and sent it off to everybody. And crickets. Nothing. Yeah, a couple rejections finally came in. And then out of nowhere, about a, maybe two months later, a publisher called me and said, uh, look, at, uh, we, we love your writing. We love your passion. We don't want your story, but we think you'd be good for a, a book that we've contracted. Would you be interested? And through a long process, well, not a long process, through a process of a lunch and getting to know the subject, um, I was hired on to write my first book. And it was about the Smythe family, Con Smythe, who owned the Leafs, Stafford, who later, Stafford Smythe, who later owned the Leafs as well, and the grandson, who was supposed to take over the, uh, the team, although Harold Ballard was able to, uh, to get it once Stafford Smythe passed away. So three generations of Smythes, and I wrote my first book. And it opened the doors to all kinds of things. So just this week, I put uh, book number 18 to bed and it'll come out next fall and then we'll go from there. But it's, uh, it's one of those passions again is, you know, there's, there's money in it for sure. But when you think of the amount of work in, in researching, let alone writing, oh, yeah. the interview process, you know, you're probably, my wife laughs and says, you're probably making pennies per hour. doesn't matter. You know, the, my little, uh, my little oasis of, of, what I love to do is research and write books. And as I said, number 18 coming out, I'm actually just finished number 19 yet, just waiting to find a publisher for that one. So fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So it's the passion, obviously, that, that drives you. Um, but like, was Shanahan familiar with your work and stuff like that? Or like, yeah, sorry, I forgot, I forgot you mentioned that. Pardon me, Drake. No worries, no worries. Yeah, he was. So it, it was interesting. So I pitched it to a pub. So the, I knew that the, uh, the centennial was coming up in 2017. Yeah. And I thought, look, every author who's, who's savvy at all is going to be chasing after a leaf book. Oh, yeah. So five years beforehand, I pitched it to publishers, thinking that if I can get in before everybody else, I've got a good chance. And uh, I heard from a lot of them, and they would all say, is it the, is it the um, official book? I said, well, at this point, not necessarily, but I mean, I'm trying to find a deal first and then we'll find out. So uh, Random House, uh, I'm trying to think of the, uh, McClellan and Stewart, pardon me, which is under the Random House umbrella, came forward and said, uh, if you can get the, the official status, we'll publish the book. All right, here we go. So uh, I had written about Ron Ellis, who'd played with the Leafs in the 60s and 70s. I'd written about their oldest season ticket holder, a guy named Tommy Gaston, who had season tickets with the Leafs since the late 1920s. I had written about Bill Barilko, um, the Stanley Cup champion of 1951 who died in a plane crash. I'm trying to think what else. And a number of magazine articles and a number of stories for the Hockey Hall of Fame and things of that sort. So when it came down to it, um, the publisher and I went into McClellan and Stewart and gave the pitch. And they said they wanted to go away and, and think about it. And I know that they talked to a number of authors, but they came back and I got the, uh, the message from Brendan Shanahan that said, nobody else could write the centennial of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Congratulations, Kevin, you're our guy. Well, I, was, I could have been knocked over with a feather <laughs> break. It was crazy just to think that I got the book. Um, and, and that was over a course of about two years as well. So yeah. we were coming up to the centennial, centennial at that point, but I had already started writing it in anticipation that if I got the book, I better be ready. I didn't want to get it a year beforehand and then have to jam and put together a good book, but not a great book. And, and uh, so on we went. I was just so flattered, shook his hand. We made our deal, signed with the publisher, with Brendan writing the foreword, 
and off we went. They put a committee together at Maple, yeah. at Maple Sports Entertainment, and we made all of our plans, and I had to submit chapters as we went along, but I got the, the double thumbs up with every step of the way, and, and there were a few things that they wanted changed, and I was fine with that. You know, they, I wanted to get into the gardens scandal of the 1980s a little bit anyway, where there was a, a pedophile ring that was involved in, in uh, some terrible things. And I thought, you know, if we're going to do the entire history of the team, we have to touch on that. And they came back and said, look, we're, we're writing about the hockey team. That's more about the arena itself. It's such a glorious time for us to celebrate 100 years for the franchise. Let's take that out. And I argued a little bit, but I knew that I wasn't going to win yeah. that one. And, and it was just as well, Drake. It, oh, yeah. it, it would have been awkward, and it was something that we didn't necessarily need. So um, they had a few editorial decisions that way. I was 100% fine, but for the most part, they let me run with it. And, and like I said, they had a committee read it, and they all, uh, all really liked what we did, the way that I wove in. I actually had a partner, a guy named Jason Wilson. The way that we wove in what was happening in the city, in the province, in the country, in the world, at the same time as various things going on. And so we got the Centennial book and very, very proud of that. One of the highlights of my professional career, no doubt. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. And again, just three years ago, for anyone that doesn't know, it's very recent. It's not like it was that long ago that the, that the book uh, came out. But it, to kind of go back, it does reflect on a conversation we were having before is being prepared and being ready to do anything and do it the best you can. And, you know, especially given all your experiences leading to that time, you knew that it was it was time to do this. If I'm going to do it, I got to be ready. And I got to be ready five years in advance. You know, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's passion. It's being prepared. Yeah. And one thing I didn't mention too, and it certainly helped, but, but again, another honor that came to me just before that was I was asked to be part of the Toronto Maple Leafs historical committee. It is the, the committee of people who decide on the retired banners in the rink on the, uh, the statues on legends row and things of that sort. And I was the only person outside of MLSE. Everybody else was, you know, a, a former player, a journalist, uh, an executive with the company. So I guess I already, without even realizing it, and this is such a marketing term, but I'd already branded myself as the Leaf guy without even realizing it, just because they were my team. So naturally, when I wrote, whether it be a magazine article or a book or whatever, I leaned that way because that was my personal passion. So yeah. in, in doing so, I guess I got labeled that way, and when my name came up and I presented myself to Shanahan and the others, they uh, they gave me the uh, the veto, not the veto. They gave me the approval to move forward. Yeah, well, of course, you need someone that that knows what they're talking about, obviously. And being a historian and a yeah. fan, yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what don't you know about the about the team, right? So that, that's very cool, man. That's a that's an incredible story. It's one of the things that Rob told me and. I knew I had to had to ask about that and, and get into it too. So that's unbelievable. And, you know, just being able to to have Brendan Shanahan acknowledge your existence, oh. let alone, you know, give you such an accolade is, is huge. And I'm sure you've, you know, you've made so many connections, befriended people, crossed paths with so many people in the hockey industry and in the music industry, apparently representing uh, Atlanta Morissette or something at some point, you know, doing uh, – a lot in your life is pretty cool. I'm sure you've been able to meet some of your heroes, like you said, Eddie Shack as well. Oh, sure. Well, you know, that's the other thing. So I met my radio heroes, met my music industry heroes. I met my, my hockey heroes. And in the, uh, in the cancer side of things, met scientists who I never would have dreamed about, didn't know anything about, yeah. who were working on DNA and, and uh, gene sequences and things of that sort. So I found heroes in another genre as well. It's just amazing to think that, again, you know, a kid from Windsor, uh, a modest kid from a blue-collar family. Dad was worked for Silverwood Dairies, which is long gone. He later was a caretaker in the Windsor Public School uh, Board. Uh, Mom was a, with the Board of Education as a secretary, worked for the, uh, for the board that way. Um, my brother is a, has a medical, not a medical, a biology degree. He is a teacher out in Vancouver. So it's not like we came from, I, I did come from a privileged family, but privileged in love. It's gonna sound corny as hell, but uh, yeah. pri privileged in that way in getting good life lessons. But I didn't come from a, a hockey family or somebody who had the doors open for us. It just, you know, we learned our lessons well. We, we worked hard, we followed our passions as we said, and, and off we went. But to think now, like, I, 
when I come home and, or talk to my buddies and stuff, they all want to hear, so tell us the story about whoever. Yeah, you, yeah. You did, tell us, you haven't met Guns N' Roses. Well, let me tell you the story. And, you know, they're all crazy, ridiculous, wonderful stories and, and just blessed to have been at that. Many other people are equally blessed, whether it be in these same genres or others. But I, uh, I you know, thank my, my lucky stars every day that I was blessed to... Uh, to go from there yeah that's so cool man and and that, i love how you said just a kid from windsor because that's something yeah. that i try to, to translate on here with everyone is you know you're straight out of windsor you're always kind of connected in a wave no matter what you do uh it's really yeah. cool and, you know i never really ask people not that i don't like your stories i love your stories but uh, <laughs> uh if you have any stories i wonder now about you know you mentioned meeting guns of roses whatever knowing them do you have any stories about maybe like some musicians and hockey players kind of meeting and clashing or Oh, sure. And stuff like that. I'll have to think of them as we go. But yeah. the interesting thing that I found was that hockey players love music. Musicians love hockey. Yeah. And so to be able to marry them together is pretty cool. So whether it's, you know, working with Blue Rodeo, Jim Cuddy, the lead singer of Blue Rodeo, huge band in Canada, um, great hockey player as well, loves the Leafs like I do, uh, being able to put him together with people from time to time is pretty great as well. Uh, Dave Bedini, a musician with a band called the Reostatics, again, a, a Canadian band, a Toronto area band, had U.S. releases too, but really, really very much a Canadian band, but a, a brilliant writer, much better writer than I am. I'm a good storyteller, but he's a brilliant writer. But the same thing, being able to, to merge these things together. Yeah. The musicians, meanwhile, if I can tell one story, uh, one that didn't go so well, but it's a great story. There's a famous folk singer from the 1960s named Judy Collins. And Judy Collins had big hits, Both Sides Now, which is a Judy, uh, it's a Joni Mitchell song, and Send in the Clowns, and you know, really a substantial artist at that time. Anyway, she had a release with one of the labels I was with. And so I was put in charge of her Canadian visit, which was I think it was just Toronto at that time. And I was the vice president of promotion and publicity. So I had to take care of her as, as well as all the other ones that were going on. Anyway, out of the blue, she said, by any chance, do you like hockey? I, said, I love hockey. She said, well, I've always dreamt of singing the anthem at a Maple Leafs game. Is there any way you can put that together for me? I said, well, hang on here. <laughs> so I called over to the, uh, the Leafs and said, look, at you know, at that time, now they've got one dedicated singer, but that time they were using a different singer every game. And I said, look, I've got a, a vocalist here, very well known, internationally, uh, internationally known, named Judy Collins. And I wondered if uh, you'd be interested in having her as an as a, as a, a anthem singer. And the person I spoke to said, never heard of her, but hang on for a second. Hey, Ken, you ever heard of Judy Collins? Turned out it was Ken Dryden, who was the president at that time president of the Maple Leafs at that time. He says, Judy Collins, my favorite singer of all time, Booker. So we booked Judy Collins. So that's great. So there's a, a lapse of, I don't know, two, three weeks between the call and when she's coming to town. And the calls became more and more frequent and more and more harried. Kevin, can you do me a favor? I, I've sung the Canadian anthem a hundred times, but can you send me a recording of it? So I, you know, what the before MP3s and things of that sort, I, I, I sent her a CD with anthems on it. Great. She goes, oh, thanks. You're a doll. Thanks a million. Then she, Kevin, can you write out the lyrics for me? Sure. But yeah, sure, sure. Wrote them out or typed them up, put them in font this large and uh, sent them off to her. And she would sing it to me over and over again. She'd call me up and say, how does this sound, Kevin? And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. So the night comes and, and uh, we're all ready to go. She's beautifully attired in a, in a white suit and white nylons and white heels, looking fabulous. <coughs> Excuse me. And she's all set to go. And, and uh, she said, Kevin, by any chance, do you have the lyrics with you? I said, I, I do in my briefcase. Do you need them? She said, no, you know, I'll be fine. Ladies and gentlemen, International recording artist, Judy Collins. She walks out to center ice, performs the American anthem, first of all. Perfect. You say that, yeah. Time for the Canadian anthem. She, oh, Canada. And all of a sudden, she goes off on a tune that I don't recognize with lyrics I don't recognize. 
and I'm, oh my God. And the fans start to boo her. And then they start throwing things at her. They start throwing Pepsi or Coke or whatever they, they carry and different things like that. And, and she's all splattered up her, her white nylons and onto her dress and stuff. But she carries on and, and I'm frantic thinking, oh my God. And I turn around to see what the uh, reaction is from Ken Dryden and the other people, gone. They're gone. They, they, they abandoned the place. They didn't want to see her. So, uh, so off uh, she came and, and she said, oh, I can't believe the testosterone in Scotiabank Arena. I guess it was the Air Canada Centre at the time. I can't believe the testosterone that everybody was so anxious to, uh, to get to the hockey game that they're booing me off. I said, Judy, it, it had nothing to do with, with getting ready for the game, but you, it, it, you, the anthem, she's won. Oh, I had a little flub. I said, Judy, if somebody sang the Star Spangled Banner and, and, and miss, miss sang some of the lyrics, the place would be frantic too. Oh, Kevin, that's nonsense. Why don't you take me back to my hotel? the band will stay up in the seats. So I drove her home, thanked her very much. And uh, of course, that's all people could talk about. I don't even know if people paid attention to the game. It's all they could talk about. You could hear it everywhere you went. All the talk shows after the game were all about how Judy had mangled the, the anthem and, uh, and she's a, a disgrace to our country and never let this happen again. And oh my God. Anyway, she, uh, she called me the next day. She said, I'm getting lots of calls from the press, Kevin. Um, was it really as bad as that? I said, Judy, it was really bad. <laughs> she said, well, listen, let's, let's not talk about the anthem today when we're doing our media. Let's just talk about the album. I said, that's fine with me, and I'll set up all the, uh, the journalists accordingly. So we did exactly that. But I'll never forget Judy Collins singing the anthem at Maple Leaf or at, uh, at Air Canada Centre. And that was the last time I think that that season was the last time they had multiple artists singing the anthem. They got dedicated singers after that, and yeah, off we went. So, so there's lots of music and hockey stories. And that's oh, the yeah. only one I come up with now, Drake. But anyway, well, that's fine, yeah. we merged the two together. Yeah. And you were the guy that recruited her, so you probably got the heat from that. Oh, you know, and well, I, I sent a fruit basket to Ken Dryden. I sent flowers to the lady who booked it. Uh, the flowers never showed up. Oh, my <laughs> God. Um, <laughs> Mr. Dryden uh, was okay with it. The lady I booked it said, Kevin, you are never to ask me for another uh, anthem singer again because I'm not going to book any of your singers. I understand, Nancy, don't yeah. worry about it. So all is good, but oh my God. That's amazing. It was you know, quite it's cool. a yeah, it's cool you mentioned, you know, like hockey players love music and vice versa. And uh, that, it goes for everything. But one example I always use is people like the Hanson brothers or any sort oh, of yeah. celebrity wanting to meet a guy like Bob Probert. You know, that's the perfect example right there. And like, he should be the guy that wants to meet them, but they want to meet him. That's just... And it's, and it, yeah, you're right. And it goes both ways. It, you yeah. know, the, the, the hockey players love it when a musician comes into the dressing room, usually after a game or maybe sees them at practice or whatever it is beforehand. They love it, get their pictures taken, whatever. The, and it goes the other way as well. The musicians love it when the players come out to to a show, put them in good places, get a seat on the stage or whatever. It happens over and over and over again. I gave you examples of some Canadian bands, but it happens with almost all the bands. When they come in, they, they want to meet some of the players while they're there, or they want to get tickets to a game or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, that's cool. That's, that's the things I like to see is the people you wouldn't think are hockey fans. And again, like I'm sure that you had cross paths with people. So that's why I figured that was the perfect thing to, to kind of bring up with yourself, having those two passions, you know, and, um, to kind of wrap it up, we, we talked about, you know, your nine to five and what you're kind of doing nowadays. I'm sure it, it might be different every day, but you're in the hub, hub city or, you know, around it, you're around the, the area at the hockey hall of fame. So, um, as we're speaking right now, exhibition game is on, it's one, nothing the Leafs in case you're not aware. I didn't <laughs> Johnny T score in the first, uh, 30 seconds. So, oh, wow. Yeah, just the exhibition game. But what are the kind of things that you, you've been seeing in the first week as we uh, anticipate this, uh, this playoff yeah. kicking off on the weekend? So, so where I work right now, so there's the Hockey Hall of Fame Museum right downtown Toronto, mm -hmm. Young and Front Streets in downtown Toronto. I work in what's called the uh, DK Doc Seaman Hockey Resource Centre. And that's in Etobicoke, which, which is wow. the west end of Toronto. Yeah. And, and probably only 10 or 15% of all the things that the Hockey Hall of Fame has collected and preserved is on display. The rest is at the DK Doc Seaman Hockey Resource Center. So that's where I work each day, um, right now anyway. We're not in the bubble per se, but we're in the same rink 
which is the Ford Performance Center, as where the teams practice, where they're getting themselves ready. So as we walk down the hall, wearing our masks away from everybody, um, we can look over, there's four pads, and there's, oh, there's the Carolina Hurricanes there, oh, there the Islanders are down there, oh, the Rangers are over there, oh, the Lightning are here. A couple hours later, the teams change, and you can see the buses coming in and bringing them and whatever. So I'm not part of the bubble, but I'm fairly close, and you can watch the guys, and what a thrill it is to, to see the Bruins working on their power play or the Leafs working on power play and, and uh, penalty kill and stuff like that. Just for a few seconds, I don't want to betray anybody's trust or whatever, but just to watch is a thrill beyond compare to see our heroes down there and knowing that they will be on the ice right now or they'll be competing maybe in another round or whatever it happens to be. But it's, it's an interesting time. Uh, one of the teams, I wish I could remember which one, says, we love bubble hockey. And it took me a second that I thought, oh, when we were kids, we played bubble hockey. Now what they're doing is playing bubble hockey as well. <laughs> but, they're, but they're having, you can tell they're having fun. They're, yeah. they're, they're fast and furious and they're dedicated. Hey, we're into the playoffs now, and, or the, I guess the lead into the playoffs, but it's considered playoffs. And mm -hmm. They're intense and it's going to be some great hockey for the next couple of months. Yeah, I agree. I mean, today's only the first day, but watching, they had uh, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia earlier and watching the Leafs in Montreal right now. And, I mean, I guess the no fans thing is a little weird, but like it's it's hockey, man. It's it's full time. It's full speed. It's it's entertaining. I got no. When, when you and I are done, I'm anxious to see what it's like with no fans. How they how they use the or employ the sound in the arena, if at That's all. Yeah. All of these sorts of things. It'll be really interesting to see how this dynamic works because it's entirely different than what you and I have known all yeah. our lives. I think we'll get used to it. I mean, that's the thing, like the silence after a goal. Like, I didn't even know a goal was scored, you know, because you yeah. don't hear the, the crowd, you don't hear the horns and stuff like that. So, yeah. but aside from that, just watching the play, I mean, it's, it's hockey. So I'm, I'm glad to have it back. And uh, one of the guys I work with is a guy named Phil Pritchard. Phil Pritchard is my, uh, my supervisor. He's my boss at the Hockey Hall of Fame. And he's the guy who has the white gloves and takes the Stanley Cup around and stuff like that. So, it's really interesting to hear him talk about, you know, he'll have to go into the bubble once they move to Edmonton for the final and, uh, and be prepared. There'll be some media opportunities where he will have to, you know, isolate himself, but he'll have to put the mask on and whatever and go to maybe at somebody's house where they're broadcasting from like yourself, Drake, or maybe to a, maybe to the hockey hall of fame and have a TV station shooting from far away hockey stick length away to promote the Stanley Cup playoffs. So it's interesting to hear his perspective on it all as well. A guy whose main job is vice president of the Hockey Hall of Fame, but whose glorious job is to be the keeper of the cup. It's cool. It's cool, man. Yeah. What a life you've lived. And, you know, like, again, just talking about all this stuff, sure, me and you, like most people, we're just happy to have hockey back and, you know, ready to get it started. But thank you so much for taking the time to do this, man. It's been fantastic. <laughs> Well, thanks a million for asking me. I'm thrilled that you did. This has been really, really fun taking me back to my hometown and talking a little bit about that. And anytime I can talk hockey is great. Drake, it's been great. I hope that somewhere down the road that we can talk again. All right, all right, all right. Leafs fans, you better have liked that one. That was pretty cool to talk to a guy. Music fans, I hope you like that one. To talk to a guy like Kevin Shea. Um, a guy who I've, I've known the name, you know, didn't know a lot about, never met him, you know. And uh, when it was brought up to me from Rob that, hey, there's a guy, a historian from the Hockey Hall of Fame who's, who's from Windsor. He would be a perfect fit for your show. Okay, sounds good. Let's do it. Did you know Brandon Shanahan asked him to write a book for the Maple Leafs? Uh, can we do it now? Let's go. Let's go, Kevin. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. Uh, a lot of cool stories. I mean, um, ranging from all over the place where and combining cool stories too, you know, like the Windsor Arena, the barn stories with playing with Eddie Shack. Ever heard of him too? Um, last week, uh, at least on the radio show, we gave our condolences to Eddie Shack, who uh, sadly passed away just shortly before that interview. And while prepping for it, like I said, with Kevin, you know, I've seen his, his praise for the man and figured it was something to bring up and uh, it came at a perfect time you know just blending those cool stories uh, talking about old Riverside Arena and stuff like that and then moving on to uh, something that we were both passionate about in the Maple Leafs you know and um, being able to do some of the things that he's done in life is pretty cool and and just to see the things you know like he said now um, working out of the office out in uh, I believe he said Oakville um, seeing the practice squads and seeing you know the 
the the NHL teams just playing hockey, playing bubble hockey as they call it now. So, um, Leafs tonight. You guys already know if you're a Leafs fan, I'm gonna break any news on that. That there is game three between our Leafs and the Columbus Blue Jackets after hell of a game, uh, two hell of a games really. A little bit disappointing in game one. Came out with some fire and kept it burning through game three. Um, and obviously, of course, in, in true Leafs fashion, there's always some unfortunate circumstances. This time not being so funny and a really scary moment with Jake Muzzin. But as of yesterday, Wednesday, he has returned to the bubble. And he's going to be quarantining for the rest of the, the series. But it's good to know that uh, at least, you know, there wasn't any immediate major trauma um, very scary moment um, that it just went on for too long. I was watching it, texting uh, my buddy, and I'm like, "Okay, this isn't ending. This is this is scary, bro." And uh, so you know, I don't know. I always I hate to talk about the sad stuff, but I hope he's okay. And um, yeah, I mean, watching that game tonight. So you know where to find me at eight o'clock. Hit me up. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so. On the radio show, we're going to have a lot more local sports news and even some some Tigers news and, and NHL news and uh, whatever else, you know, NBA news. Uh, not a lot of Detroit Pistons news nowadays, but got to kind of expand the horizons, especially with limited information right now. Not a lot going on, especially locally. So I'm just going to bring you the important stuff that you might have missed from last week where we didn't have a new podcast and something that dropped just yesterday as speculated from OHL insiders on Twitter the night before. The OHL, the Ontario Hockey League, announced yesterday that it is planning to return to play on December 1st, 2020, subject to ensuring that the players, fans, staff, and community are able to play and attend games safely. So that's good news. Over the next four months leading up until that date, the the league will continue to work with government and health agencies to finalize outstanding issues such as safe attendance at venues and cross-border travel for teams and players. That one will obviously be pretty vital, as well as being able to actually attend games. How many people will will it be limited at all? Who knows what will happen by December, but scary thought as well but here's what they have proposed returns to play on december 1st with 64 season game probably fast tracking it um maybe not similar to what we're seeing now but just condensing it more games throughout uh, throughout the week and maybe throughout a day as well um and of course will always be uh, available on tv and streaming on their new platform which should be coming out soon regular se- season ends april 29th again um a little bit later actually so maybe it's not fast fast track but anyway Ends April 29th. Memorial Cup will be held in either Oshawa or Sault Ste. Marie, and it will be held from June 17th to the 27th. So between the month of May, they pretty much have to get the entire playoff done, or at least into early June, maybe not giving them as much of a rest period. But that's good news. We could have Windsor Spitfire games back here as early as December 1st. Uh, I was kind of under the impression that they would try to do so in their regular time, I guess around September, but maybe they're they're committed to uh, having having the fans. Why not? Come on, we want to go to games. They want us to be there. Sixteen team uh, playoff format, uh, something that I missed there. So um, playoffs will be the same, just a little bit of a different schedule, you know, based on the season. Um, and they'll actually be starting right around the same time as the NBL of Canada, who announced that a few weeks ago, but. The other piece of news that you may have missed is our Windsor Spitfires former captain now, Luke Boca. He had plans to, to go to school, and he's going to put those on hold for a bit for a chance to play with his older brother and to play pro. The 21-year-old Boca signed with the ECHL's Fort Wayne Commons just a few weeks ago, along with his 22-year-old brother Nick Boca, who is a University of Michigan product and former NHL pick of the Minnesota Wild. The two will become the seventh set of brothers to play for the Comets in franchise history. Boca previously committed to Queen's University before taking the opportunity to play pro. As mentioned, he decided to put his school plans on hold. That's okay. That's fine. (laughs) Anyway, my name is Drake Damore, and we're here every other week with a brand new episode of the Wind City Sports Podcast, because that is it this week. Uh, We're going to be on the radio show every single week, though, as normal. 
even on our off weeks as I call them. Pretty much last week we didn't have a new podcast drop, but we still had a new edition, new broadcast of the Win City Sports Radio Show, still broadcasting from home during this pandemic. Every Thursday at 12.30 in Windsor and Detroit, 99.1 FM, CJAM FM, the home, sort of home, uh, excuse me, former home of Kevin Shea, our guest this week. On the radio show, we will uh, usually play some highlights from our podcast interviews, play some music, and gather up as much local sports news as possible, which you will hear this week on our off weeks, no interviews, maybe some clips from previous and upcoming ones, and just kind of having some fun on the radio here on the podcast now dropping every other thursday for the rest of the summer first thing common anywhere podcasts are found including spotify itunes apple Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are found simply search up the win city sports podcast w-i-n-c-i-t-y is all one word um give us a follow subscribe review whatever you may use we're on social media at win city underscore sports instagram twitter facebook youtube Give our channel a subscribe, and so much more. We'll be posting a lot in the next two weeks because of this interview and all the stuff going on. Hopefully get back into back into the groove of the social media. But you can also follow me, Drake Demore, on Twitter and Instagram. And until next week, smell you later.